Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hey guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now and I've learned a lot. Uh, I have a question for you. We own a Bristol Myers Squibb BMY. Had it almost three years. Uh, just wondering if we should uh, sell it and move on to something that would do a little bit better. Thanks. And provides unbiased answers. I'm not a huge fan of uh, Bristol Myers and it's uh, and a lot of the large pharma companies and, and their patent cliffs. So uh, I do think that you're you're going to need for Bristol Myers to execute on its patent pipeline, and that's a big what if. Invest talk. Over 37 million downloads and counting across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is the December 29th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk, and we are through almost uh, the entire year, just one more trading day left in the year. And then we're on to uh, New Year's Day and 2022, which is likely to bring more challenges, more volatility. Uh, in a different market regime, which we're, you know, we're kind of seeing, like I said before. Now we're going to have some uh, great best of caller question show uh, for you uh, on Friday. So make sure to check that out. But I'll be here today and tomorrow. So now the calendar year uh, will still soon say 2022. And that means you should probably reassess your strategy, uh, your overall asset mix, your risk profile, and think about should you be increasing risk, decreasing risk in relation to your overall goals. A lot of times, if you have enough money, that means lowering your risk profile. If you have a ways to go and you play a bit catch up, well, it's about taking risk, but doing it in a smart way, in the right way, based on the economic backdrop and the opportunities. And sometimes that opportunity is to unload positions that are likely to struggle. Even though you may love the company, you may love the idea, you may love the story. Well, we're entering a market where the stories matter less than profits, cash flow, and real world businesses. And that's what... 2022 and likely beyond is going to be about as inflation remains relatively high. So on today's podcast and program, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. So I'm going to walk you through some market news and answer your questions. It's my main goal. I'm going to give you my answers, my perspective using the data I see in front of me, as well as 20 plus years of investment experience. So I'm Justin Klein. I encourage you to reach out to me with your finance and investment questions, which means you can re react, interact, excuse me, interact with me 
right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time. Or you can leave a question on our Anytime Voice Bank. Either way, that number never changes. It's always 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hi, this is Randy calling from Minnesota. I am 61 years old, and my question today is, in my 401 at work, should I go 100% Roth? Right now I'm at about 60-40, 60% Roth, 40% regular 401k. My wife is probably at 80-20 Roth, and she's 60, planning for retirement at about 65 to 67, and just wondering if it would be best to go all Roth. Love to know your comments. Thank you. Well, a Roth question is always about, first and foremost, your current tax situation and expected tax situation in the future. So remember, getting money into a Roth, whether that's an IRA, Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, you don't get to write that money off this year. And that means you're locking in this, this year's tax rate. And that may be good. But that's question for the tax man. And ideally, you want to get that money in at a lower tax rate than you'll be paying in retirement. So that's how you have to think about it from a tax perspective. Now, what you're doing is you are splitting it. Not splitting it, but you're creating a mix of regular 401k assets, tax-deferred assets, and Roth assets, which you, once again, have already paid taxes on. Now, one question I would have is, do you have any IRA assets outside of your 401ks that are still tax deferred, meaning you have a tax liability in the future? So that's one question. And then do you plan on doing any Roth conversions once you do retire, you and your wife? And then maybe you're in a low tax or lower tax bracket than you are today because you're not working. And then you can convert at a low rate before you hit RMDs. Okay, so all of this creates a, a complex mix. But what I will say is it's good to have both. It's good to have a little bit of both. Try to probably be close to 50-50 unless you have great opportunities, like I said, between retirement and your RMDs to where you can convert at a low tax rate. But that's a plan that you need to have with your CPA. And you sit down with them and say, here are my assets. Here's my monthly or yearly savings into these vehicles, into these accounts. Should I be upping or lowering or keeping the same my Roth versus traditional uh, contributions? So <clears throat> once again, hard for me to tell, tell you right now, but something you could be talk, talking about with a CPA. Let's go to Sid in Toronto, looking at RKT, which is Rocket Companies. Hi, Justin. Good evening. Uh, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Thanks for the wonderful show throughout the year and being listener past four or five years. Thank you so much for doing a wonderful job and thanks for taking my call. Yeah, no problem. So you're looking uh, at Rocket Companies. Uh, this is, yeah. uh, they provide digital solutions to get mortgages for homeowners. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, they're basically an online mortgage platform. Uh, do you own it or looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it particularly for the long term, and I've been seeing that this is more or less sideways. Being long time in last six, seven months, I'm seeing the price is below 20. 
if this is a good stock, do you think uh, we should own it for the long term? And is it a right price in your view? Here's my issue with Rocket is that it is in a consistent downtrend. And I don't see any technical strength at all with this. Every time it's gotten to the 100-day moving average uh, since it skyrocketed, uh, pun intended, I guess, in, in March, um, it, is, it has gone down. And it's new, at a new 52-week low today. Uh, it, it is supposed to make $1.53 next year. That's down 33% from from uh, this year's earnings of $2.30 and $4.11 last year. So clearly their pandemic-induced uh, tailwinds are abating dramatically. So if you go based on next year's earnings of $1.53 at a $14 stock, it's trading roughly uh, about 9 or 10 times earnings, which that seems relatively cheap, but where will the floor be for their earnings? Pre-pandemic, they're making 65 cents a share. Are they going to be trending back to those levels? Because at 65 cents a share in earnings, that is $14 stocks, kind of expensive, especially for a shrinking or low growth company. Uh, so I like that this is on your watch list because it is getting down to a level that is reasonable from a valuation standpoint. But I would need to find, uh, I need to see some technical support, some strength here. And I would absolutely wait until it gets above the 100-day moving average and holds there. Because until then, it's not showing me that the trend in earnings is going to reverse. Uh, and the trends are pretty bad. So, uh, interesting name. Be on my watch list once again. But I would be patient on it and look for some technical strength before I pick it up. Thanks for the call, Sid. Now we're moving into a short break and the year is almost over and you must have questions or two for me. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. No two investors have an identical portfolio. So each investor will have different questions. I guess I'm wondering how I should kind of diversify. If the questions specific to your portfolio aren't being asked, your situation is not addressed. And I wanted your thoughts on the cannabis market. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein take Invest Talk listener questions each weekday during the program live stream in the 4 to 5 p.m. hour Pacific time. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes, so your questions are always welcome. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. You have the right to remain silent, but why would you when anything you ask will be used to help you create your financial freedom? I think it'll probably go higher. And so I would keep a tight stop on it. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. We're counting down the days. New Year's Eve will be here soon. 2021 will be in the record books as we start a new year. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are ready to answer your finance and investment questions. Call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Go to Zach in Minnesota. He's looking at Oracle. Hey, Justin. I appreciate you taking my call. 
course. Um, I have Oracle currently on my watch list, um, uh-huh. but I have another company that actually uh, is currently acquiring uh, Cerner on my watch list as well. Uh, my question is, how do you kind of evaluate something like that that's happening when you have a company on your watch list that's going to be picking up another um, company? Um, both of them are in spaces that I like for the future, so I was just kind of curious on what your thoughts are about that and how do you go about evaluating that? Well, you have to look at the the company that the, they're buying, right? Oracle is buying Cerner and you know, the question is, are they overpaying for Cerner by how much? And is that enough to dissuade you from owning Oracle or buying Oracle? Well, the market <clears throat> clearly so far does not love the, the Cerner deal. And uh, depending on the analyst, they think they're probably paying about value or a bit more. Now, typically acquisitions are uh, you're, you're paying a premium for the acquisition there's synergies to be had letting employees quit uh, uh getting rid of you know downsizing uh getting rid of duplicate costs and that's uh, those are the type of synergies uh increasing the reach of the their workforces and and the products that they can offer and um, so there's just a lot that of synergies that could be um, taken out of the deal that will help it make make it uh, economically smart. But all acquisitions come with some risk. That the optimistic view of the business is uh, maybe not as rosy, and so that's that's it's really just an analysis. It's difficult, especially for a company of this size. Uh, Oracle as well as Cerner. They're both very large. This is one of uh, the reasons, these large acquisitions typically are not the best uh, value additive things for a company to do. Doesn't mean it can't be, uh, just typically it's not. Uh, And the market so far, once again, isn't liking it. Um, So what is the process? Well, it's 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 a complicated process. Uh, and, and once again, not easy. Um, but if it was at least a decent acquisition, not completely value destructive, then your thesis on Oracle should remain the same. Um, and so we like Oracle. We own it for clients. We are kind of so-so on this acquisition. We don't love it, um, but we don't hate it either. We think it could work out, but uh, there's definitely some risks like most, most acquisitions. So... Uh, hope that helps. Thanks for the thanks for the call, Zach. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. More employers are putting 401k savings on autopilot. About 62% of businesses with a 401k plan used automatic enrollment in 2020. That's up from 60% the year before and 46% a decade ago. So we're going to look at what trends are happening within the 401k space, what uh, are good and what maybe not so good. Also, Inflation is hitting all areas of the the economy. We know that. But how much is it impacting the green energy market? We're going to look at some of that data. Also, bank regulation. Bank regulation is on the rise and what that can mean for bank 
investments in 2022. And then lastly, how is the demand for goods here in the US? How is that impacting economies around the world? We're gonna look at, at that. Now time is moving fast. This is Invest Talk, and I'm here ready to answer your questions. So we have about another 40 minutes or so together, 35 minutes or so. So give me a call. I'm ready to answer any of your questions at 888-99-CHART. Got a question for Steve or Justin? Just kind of wondering if this stock is a value trap. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. Uh, I think there's likely a pullback here. 888-99-CHART. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Let's go to Dylan in Brooklyn. He wants to talk about options. How's it going, Dylan? Hey, Justin. Good. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for taking the call. Um, quick question for you about, well, it might not be that quick, but uh, I've been playing options over the last few months, so relatively new to it. Um, I've been pretty much playing weeklies, which I know are very volatile. Uh, I was wondering if you have a, I don't know, and there might not be a direct answer for this, but I was wondering if you have like a strategy for when you pick expiration dates, how far out you pick, and when you start to think about uh, selling. Are you talking about buying or selling? Um, selling. So, well, yeah, selling the contracts, not like exercising the options or anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, typically, I stay within uh, within 60 days. I like to stay within 30 days, typically. Uh, I like that you're selling weeklies. Those are, uh, those are great. You know, the time decay happens very quick on those. And so I think that's a, <clears throat> a good place to start. I like that you're selling uh, options versus uh, buying them. Uh, especially uh, newer investors, they typically will be buying and, and losing a lot of money rather quickly. Um, you, you certainly have to be careful uh, because if it goes against you, uh, obviously you don't have a lot of buffer because your premiums are still yeah. relatively small. Um, so making sure that you are, and what I would do is I'd be looking at support levels, support and resistance. Uh, that's how we pick strike prices as well. Um, so yeah, keep it relatively short term and be selling calls at resistance levels and uh, uh, puts at support levels. Awesome. And so do you basically recommend selling options over buying them? Yeah, typically. Uh, obviously, if you are trying to uh, make a, uh, a leveraged bet uh, on uh, a, a particular thesis playing out, then Buying it can be fine, um, but you want to buy a lot of time. So when you're buying options, you want to be going out at least six months, uh, probably a, a year plus. And you might say, well, you're paying oh, a big really? premium for that. But um, you know, if, if you want uh, to capitalize on your thesis playing out, typically it's not going to play out in the time frame that you imagine. And uh, when a lot of people, they try to bet on, next 30 days or, or 60 days and they think that that's going to uh, be enough time for them to be right well uh, you know my my history tells me that 
oftentimes people are most excited about their their thesis or their their uh, their, their investment. Uh, that's time where, at the bare minimum, it takes a break and probably consolidates. And you don't want to be burning premium uh, dramatically when it's in a consolidation phase. And so, buying more time it gives you just more time for your thesis to play out. Your your ultimate return will be less, but you're still you're using a leveraged vehicle anyway. So if you're correct, you're still going to have very strong returns. So when you're selling options, keep it short. When you're buying them, go out longer. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. More employers are putting 401k savings on autopilot. And like I said before the break, a record high amount of employers in 2020 put their employers on employees, excuse me, on automatic enrollment, meaning when an employee comes on board and are eligible for a 401k, sometimes that's not for 90 days or uh, even a year, uh, they are automatically enrolled and they can opt out. Get a, you get They get notification ahead of time, uh, but they must opt out. That's basically what auto enrollment is. Now, Vanguard found that 92% of new hires were still saving in their 401k plan three years after being automatically enrolled. If the plan was voluntary, it was voluntary to sign up, well, just 29% of employees were saving three years from now. So that's a great thing. So automatic enrollment works. It works. Gets people to save and continue to save. Not forcing them, but it's just uh, making it easier for them to sign up because it happens automatically. Now, last year marked the first time more employers used a 6% deferral rate rather than a 3%, which used to be the most common, basically saying, hey, not only are we automatically enrolling you, but we're automatically creating a deferral because there has to be. The employee has to defer something if they want to participate. Typically, that had been 3% before, but it's now up to 6% is the most common amount of deferral. And that's another great sign because half of Americans think their retirement savings aren't on track, according to the Federal Reserve. Now, businesses have an incentive to get people to save more. Why? Because financial security means greater work productivity early retirement as well, which can save employers on healthcare costs. When you're paying for employees who ha are in their mid to late 60s and can't retire, um, then you're paying a very high premium for their healthcare coverage. Now, 10 states have created auto IRA programs. Uh, four of those are active, California, Connecticut, Illinois, and Oregon. But there's six more that are coming on in 2022. Now, nearly 79% of uh, plans with auto enrollment also use automatic escalation, meaning every year that deferment increases. And typically it was capped at 10%, but that's going up as well. So a lot of interesting stats and good trends overall. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it?
Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. The best way to get answers that correspond with your situation is for you to submit your questions to Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The 24-hour listener line never closes, so don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go talk to Kyle. He's in Wisconsin. He's looking at waste management. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I own it, and then I have a follow-up question about a metric on it. Okay. Um, so, what's your? Are you just trying to figure out whether you want to want to trim it? I'm just. I'm curious. I mean, because the chart has been very bullish 
for a long time. And then there's a metric called percentage below the high and above mm-hmm. the low. Mm-hmm. And the, it's been below the high. Well, it's below its 52-week high. Uh, that's typically what that means. But it's only about 1% below that. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's right there. It's been kind of consolidating since uh, mid-November. And, you know, the, the market's been, been pretty choppy since then. So it's not, not a shock there. Uh, but it, it is a bit, ex- it, it's expensive. Um, you know, it's a great company and uh, it's been very bullish, uh, but uh, that is, uh, it's brought in the enterprise, brought the enterprise value, brought in, brought in's not a word. It brought the enterprise value to EBITDA up to about 18 times. Now the five-year average is about 13 and a half and uh, minimum is, uh, the low has been about 10 or 11, excuse me. Uh, over the last five years, and 18.39 is the high. So it's right near that high. So I do think it's a bit overvalued based on on that metric and, and many others as well. Our fair value is closer to uh, $100, 110 somewhere in that range. That's probably fair value. So I do think it is a good time to be trimming. It's pretty expensive at these levels. I do like the name. I do like the company. It's very consistently profitable, good cash flow, good dividend. Uh, but if it maybe is getting a, a, a too high of a percentage of your overall portfolio, then that could be an issue. So that's the question is, what percentage of your portfolio is it today? Uh, well, around 4 or 5%. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little higher than I said. This might be a time to bring it down to 3%. Um, obviously, uh, is it an IRA or is it in a taxable account? This is an IRA right now. Okay. Traditional. So you don't have to worry about whether it's uh, this year or next year, but I do think it is a good time to be uh, maybe redeploying this money uh, into other opportunities, part of it at least. Um, still think a good company, but uh, it, it is definitely overvalued at these levels. Excellent. Thank you, Justin. No problem. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for their courtesy of getting to their question quickly. So here are some iTunes reviewers. Jay Elman says, I'm looking at a long-term investment into the lie cycle. L-I-C-Y is the symbol. They recently made a deal with LG. They seem to be expanding well, and the demand for the services in this growing EV space should blossom well. Thoughts for a long-term play. This is Lifecycle Holdings. They provide end-of-life solutions for lithium-ion batteries and supply secondary critical battery material. So they recycle lithium-ion batteries. And like you said, if uh, we're using a lot more batteries, which we are, their services are likely to be in, in high demand. The issue here is that they don't make money. Uh, their, their business is getting better, but it's still extremely small. Revenues were up 850% last quarter. 850%. That sounds amazing. That's true. The problem is, is that's the 1.7 million. So you're talking about extremely low base from 200,000 to 1.7 million. Supposed to lose 38 cents this year, 31 or 11 cents next year. And the price is on a downtrend. So while they may be getting more business, can they do it or are they... Are they going to execute on that in a profitable way? They haven't shown that they can so far. And that's really the, the issue in an environment where these growth stocks, the Ponzi stocks, the remember, it, it, when the ebb, when, when, the, when the tide starts going out, companies that cannot fund themselves, meaning they can't take their cash flow and their earnings and support their business 
If they cannot do that, then they need to issue more shares. And when they, a stock's in a downtrend, they issue more shares at lower and lower prices, which is terrible for you, the investor. And so it's an interesting name to watch to see if they can turn the corner when it comes to profitability. But I wouldn't be buying it, especially with the stock in a consistent downtrend. Now here's another iTunes review question. DC Denver says, I've been watching Bearing, Bearings BDC. Bearings BDC, the symbol is BB. DC, it looks like, yep. And wanted to get your opinion on the stock and is it worth getting into and if you would recommend a long-term hold. Well, knowing this is a BDC, this stands for Business Development Corporation. So it's a business development company investing in lower middle market privately held companies. Uh, let's see, in what space here? Let me pull it up on a different... In the United States, okay. Sometimes these companies are focusing on a particular sector, and that can sway the prospects um, of what uh, how well they can do. So we're looking into that what their portfolio looks like. Basically, what this is is it's a portfolio of loans to private companies, and they will get interest on these loans as well as oftentimes equity stake. So it's high risk. These are typically the companies that are in the early phases, uh, maybe not making any money in a lot of cases and don't have opportunities to borrow in traditional markets from their bank, from the bond market, and therefore they need to find other sources of capital. and that source of capital typically is expensive. And these business development companies are what you would imagine. They go out there and they help companies develop their business and they get high returns, but it's also extremely cyclical, extremely cyclical, meaning when money is cheap, when the economy is relatively growing, they will do fine as long as they're at least decent at their deployment of their capital. But that also goes the other way, okay? Meaning when the economy is not doing so great, their companies default, and that means their dividend gets cut dramatically. And that would be my worry here. And what they're doing recently is my biggest worry is that they're issuing shares in order to stay afloat and to pay that dividend. They had 20 million shares outstanding in 2011. Now they're at 61 million. And that's up from 49 million in 2020. Uh, they were flat for a couple of years, 2018, 19, we're still at about 50 million. Um, but they've reaccelerated their share issuance. So that means that their cash flows and their business just aren't supporting uh, that dividend. So it's not a safe dividend stock. And you're probably looking at that dividend of uh, 7.5%, 8%, depending how you want to look at it. Uh, but history shows this is all over the place. Their dividends get cut. They're not afraid to cut it. So this is not a name that I would be excited about to hold long term. Thanks for the call.
8899 chart, 88992 We have about 15 minutes left in the show, so give me a call now. Let's get back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from Seattle. Hey guys, this is Dan from Seattle. You guys took over my retirement portfolios last year, and I've been super happy with uh, the performance and everything so far. I wanted to see if you could weigh in on Lumen Technologies, ticker L U M N, for a long or three to five year dividend play in my dividend portfolio I'm working on. A lot of mixed reviews in the articles I've been reading, so I just wanted to see what you guys thought. Thank you very much. I listen on the podcast. All right. Well, pretty glad you are happy, and uh, thanks for the the call in. Now, this is Lumen Technologies. This is the old CenturyLink, and they have new business, uh, new leadership, excuse me, and the leadership is allowing for unprofitable business lines to kind of roll off, selling off uh, non-core assets, trying to repair the balance sheet and bring the company back to stronger profitability, cash flow, uh, et cetera. And we think their strategy is very good. Uh, it's smart. It's not just holding on to all business at all costs. They are increasing their free cash flow from, to 3.7 billion trailing, trailing 12 months. That's up from 2017 when it was only 772 million. So clearly, their business is on the rise from a profitability standpoint, even though 2018 they had revenue of two point, sorry, 23 billion. Now it's down to about 20 billion, trailing 12 months. So you can see that slow attrition of a, a bit of their portfolio or a bit of their business, but that is really not hurt cash flows or, or profits. In fact, profits are expected to be $1.94 this year. That's up from 95, 95 cents, 2017. In pre-pandemic, $1.32. So we like the business uh, that, they're, that they're restructuring in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think especially if this gets back to at least flat revenue growth, which I think they will once uh, kind of their unprofitable businesses start to roll off and they restructure their business, uh, I think it's a, it's, it's a, good, it's a good risk. Uh, we like it. Let's go to Emeka in Cincinnati looking at Vale. Hi, Justin. Um, thank you so much to you and Steve for all the knowledge you have been giving to us. I am looking at VALE. Do you think it's a good time to buy it right now, or what do you think? Well, Vale has been hit with the slowdown in China because they are highly exposed to iron ore. And same with Rio Tinto and, and, and BHP and a lot of the uh, iron ore miners, especially in Australia. And this is the world's largest iron ore miner, although it is, does have, it's diverse, somewhat diverse. Does have magnesium, mag, manganese deposits, coal as well. They have some base metals, but it's a much smaller percentage of their, their business. And they do have some copper. So they're, somewhat diversified, not as diversified as a BHP or a Rio Tinto. So you're, you're kind of tied to uh, the iron ore prices, which have been uh, coming down dramatically. I know a lot of people are going to be looking at the dividend, 20%. Uh, I don't expect the dividend to be uh, sustained. So don't be buying this if you think uh, you're going to get that dividend. Uh, I think that's very unlikely. I think it's going to get cut. <clears throat> but it is has been showing some signs of strength here, back above the 50-day moving average. I like that. 
but I'm looking for the 100 day. Right now it's trading about $13.53. 100 days at 1506. Uh, and obviously coming down every day because it's below that. So if that can flip, can get above the 100 day for a week, maybe two, uh, I think that would be a sign that this was going to uh, change its stripes, change its trend. Good to be on your watch list, but I'd pass on it for now because uh, it's technically still too weak in my books. Thanks for the call. Now the clock is ticking down to the end of the year. Just two full days remaining in the year and one more trading day. So tomorrow's your last day to, to get any trades in. But if you need help going into the new year, understanding whether your strategy is on track and is uh, going the right direction for your risk tolerance level, for your goals, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, based in Irvine, California, we, where we practice parallel investing. I mean, we invest right alongside our clients. And we espouse unbiased guidance both on and off air. And so if you want to set up a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings, just send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way possible. Now, this is Invest Talk. Steve and I thank you for downloading our podcast and telling your friends about us as well. So let's play another question from 888 chart Hey, guys. Love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Uh, I have a question for you. We own a Bristol Myers Squibb BMY. Had it almost three years. Uh, just wondering if we should uh, sell it and move on to something that would do a little bit better. Thanks. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Bristol Myers and it's uh, and a lot of the large pharma companies and, and their patent cliffs. So uh, I do think that you're you're going to need for Bristol Myers to execute on its patent on its patent uh, pipeline. And that's a big what if, especially for a lot of investors who are looking at these drug companies as safer place, as dividend place. And if their pipelines do not uh, do not execute, that dividend uh, is likely in jeopardy. So yeah, I would move on from a B Bristol Myers. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8892-4278. And we have about 10 minutes left and we're heading into our final break. And um, let's actually let's quickly talk about energy inflation or inflation in regards to green energy. Now, companies or energy companies across the board, utility companies especially, are spending more to build solar farms, wind farms, and things are changing in that industry because of the cost of inflation and supply chain issues. And clean energy projects are exposed to inflation in the commodities market, dependent on things like silicon, copper, um, base metals. In fact, the price of solar panels in Europe has risen 19% this year, 19%. And that's bucked long-term trends. So after the break, I'm going to get into the details a little bit more and why this is important for all areas of the of industry in general, because it runs on energy. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here, 
to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your call in now at 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is here to help. And when you download the free InvestTalk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Now, before the break, I talked a bit about commodity inflation that is impacting the green energy market. Now, some investors who uh, put money into clean energy say the higher costs have made projects less financially feasible. And that's in a, in a market that typically has low returns on capital anyway, that are reliant on government subsidies. And so, uh, and things like carbon credits. And so this is uh, actually delayed or even stopped some development of green infrastructure. And it's pushing, uh, you know, the, the, the demand for these green uh, projects, despite the lack of capacity, has pushed prices up and returns on the projects down. Now, renewable energy developers have started to demand higher prices for the electricity that they generate in government-led power auctions, such as uh, those in Spain, India, and elsewhere, because the government will pay more for green-produced energy. This has reversed a long decline in the cost of that, uh, of that energy because the cost of the actual projects have continued to come down. But that has shifted. The price of polysilicon which is the building block for solar panels, has more than quadrupled since the start of 2020. Now, one of the big issues, we've exported the production of solar panels out to China. There's only one polysilicon production facility here in the U.S., in Utah. And so for all the hopes and dreams of a green future, we simply do not have the capacity for this. Not only from a manufacturing standpoint, but from a raw material standpoint. Like I said, the copper and base metals that goes into these projects has to be mined. A, that typically takes a lot of fossil fuels, but the capacity is just simply not there. It's not easy to turn on a copper mine. It's not easy to just get the raw materials at the scale that I think uh, most politicians are hoping. And then you actually have to put those raw materials into a finished product, which it's no longer uh, feasible to do it here in the U.S. because we do not have the manufacturing capacity. So I think that's the big push this, this decade. How are we going to transition to a green economy, especially with the lack of uh, uh, capacity and whether governments find incentives for bringing business back here and building uh, that capacity here? Now, let's squeeze in one more Invest Talk listener question from 888 99 Chart. 
Hello, we'd love to get your opinion on Coca-Cola Consolidated Inc. The ticker symbol is C-O-K-E. We'd love to get your opinion on upside as well as an entry point. Thank you. All right. C-O-K-E, Coca-Cola Consolidated, produces non-alcoholic beverages primarily under uh, the licensed Coke company. Interesting. Okay. Let me take a look here. Is this... This used to be Coca-Cola Enterprises. Hmm. It's an interesting one because it is it is bullish. <laughs> the chart is definitely bullish. Let's see. That's ah, it has exclusive market to produce and distribute Coca-Cola products in specific parts of the U.S. North Carolina, South Carolina, West Virginia, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Virginia, Indiana, and Kentucky. Interesting. Okay. So <clears throat> my question is, how long does that exclusivity last? Is it going to expire? Typically, these aren't for an indefinite amount of time. Now, earnings are exploding. $9.82 in 2019, so let's make $35.73. I'd have to really look at this and understand the runway for this because clearly they're taking great advantage of, the, of that exclusivity, but if that only lasts for a handful more years, then it's probably overvalued. So <clears throat> it's hard for me to give you a straight answer on this one. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Now reaching 37 and a half million. Thanks to you. Get yours anytime. iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you leave a question on your iTunes review, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.